something that's vitally important for our Christian life. And without this, um, you will call yourself Christian. You will say that you are Christian. But at best, at best, you're like a car that's broken down. A brand new Ferrari that's got no engine. <laughs> a computer without an operating system, without a hard disk, without anything. And that's, that's the whole point. We're going to talk about something that the Lord has been impressing on my heart about um, modern day Christians, if I may say it that way. Have you, have you ever seen a broken down car? Ever? Like a brand new, really good, really posh looking car, but it's completely broken down. Have you ever seen such a car? No? Anybody? In an accident? Great. So, um, you know, one day uh, we were um, in the old bus stand area in Markau. And if you know the old bus stand area, it's, it's, it's opposite the, the uh, police station. And uh, a portion of it is what the, what the cops use to keep cars that are broken down in accidents, that probably the owners are no more, or there's nobody to claim it, or there's some cars that have been confiscated. And those cars are just lying there. And we saw a really nice car, and I forgot what the make was. But uh, it was completely broken down. It was completely broken down. So then uh, our little Joshua there, he came up and said, what happened to this car? I said, it's broken down. So he said, why isn't anybody repairing it? I said, it's gone beyond repair. I said, okay, um, what do we do now? He said, the police has just kept it. If somebody wants to take it and do something with it, otherwise it's just scrap. It's just lying there. Now, what do you think happens with scrap cars? What good can come out of it? Can any good come out of scrap cars? Not at all, right? What happens to them? Okay, first thing is parts are stolen. Okay, great. What else happens to scrap cars that are broken down? What happened? Plastic? Rusty, okay, that, that's what happens to the car. What about us? I mean, when we look at broken down cars, so there's a space that's, basically a lot of space gets occupied. Yes or no? Yes, right? I mean, you see broken down cars and you see, man, imagine if there was a lawn there, right? If there was a nice little park there, kids would have been playing there. Okay, so space gets used up, okay? Can you travel with a broken down car anywhere? No? Okay, so say suppose a man owns five or six broken down, beyond repair Mercedes Benz. Five or six broken down, beyond repair Mercedes Benz. Would you call him rich or completely in trouble? <laughs> 
Would he be able to travel anywhere with his five or six Mercedes Benz? Not at all. So you can't use them to travel, right? So they can't be used for what they are made for. What are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but there's, there's a nice phrase we use. For s- yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a whole phrase. Something, something, something. <laughs> English. Good for nothing. Good. Okay. What else happens? Isn't it a real uh, sore to the eyes to see good for nothing scrap cars? Now think about your own house and you see good for nothing scrap cars all over your parking lot. What would you say? Either somebody, somebody get this out of here or somebody get me out of here, right? Right? It's, it's a real, it's, a real uh, it's disgusting sometimes to even look at them, right? You can't see them. You can't, you can't tolerate them. You can't, you can't uh, look at them, correct? Okay. It's a complete eyesore. Anything else? What else about broken down cars? What else hits you? Is it a loss or a profit? Loss or a profit? Anybody? Are you sure? To whom? To the owner. Now even if the owner sells it to the recycler, it's still a loss for him. He's never going to make as much as he, as he invested to buy the car. Correct? And he's, he's, he's never going to get lives that are probably lost by the destruction or the accident that took place for that car. Correct? So it's, it's a complete loss. Okay. So there been a certain, there was a certain place, I think, um, I think somewhere in America, where there were a lot of refugees. They were not allowed to enter a particular state. So what they did was something very nice. Uh, they used broken down cars to just stay in. Okay, and there was all sorts of nonsense happening there. There was drugs taking place there. There was. Uh, all sorts of uh, illegal activity happening there. Uh, it was used for all sorts of nonsense. Okay? Fine. This is a modern day Christian. This. Exactly, this whole thing. And many of us, quite often, might say, I'm Christian, I go to church, I, I'm loyal to my local church, I go for so-and-so meeting, I go for so-and-so meeting, I go here, I go to pastor so-and-so, or brother so-and-so, or this one or that one. But listen, look at your life. Look at your life. If Jesus took on your body today instead of coming 2,000 years back, if God was manifested in the flesh and it was your life he was manifested as, think about it. Would Jesus have to change his mission? Would Jesus have to change his objectives? Would Jesus have to change his goals? Would Jesus have to change his life? Or would he keep it the same and would we still get the same gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John? Would we? 
What did Jesus mean when he, come, when he came up to the fishermen and said, come follow me. Come, follow me. What did they call him? They call him rabbi, teacher. So what was he teaching? How to live. And he said, come follow me. Come. Come follow me. And then he made this one statement. He said, it is enough if the student is as good as his teacher. Right? Right? It is enough that a student is as good as his teacher. Correct? And he said, if people said things and persecuted me, how much worse would they persecute you? But what was he trying to say? He was trying to say that his life and our life needs to be the same. Listen, if I'm a teacher in history and I teach you and I'm a good teacher, how would I teach you? What's the best would I teach you? I would teach you in such a way that you could come back and teach, right? Now that's a good teacher, correct? And that's who Jesus was, the good teacher. That you can do what he could do. That you can walk the way he walked. Of course you can't be Messiah because that's only one. You can't be Redeemer because that's only one. But you can walk as a man who is in right standing with God. Because you are in right standing with God because of him. And so that's why I want you to look at, the, at one of the most important reasons why Christians today are acting and living like scrap cars. And no offense to anybody here, but that's the truth. They're occupying space. They're good for nothing. And if Jesus was here and he looked at his house, he would say, I can't take this. Get them out of here, get me out of here. And the so-called faith that we have is good for nothing. And one of the primary reasons is we've still not understood what happened when Jesus came to establish something called the new covenant. Because we're still living in the old covenant. And I want you to look at it. Listen to me. Listen to what the word is saying. Don't believe me. Don't put your trust in me. Walk away from me if you want to. But please, please, I beg you, don't walk away from this word. Because it's absolutely true. And if you look into it, you will understand. You will see how your life is not living. You're not living your life the way you're supposed to be living. If you still have an old covenant mindset. You've not changed. and You've not understood that, listen, I'm a new creation now. Amen? Let's look at Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers. Okay, now I want to ask you, who were the fathers? All the great patriarchs, right? Moses and uh, Abraham and Jacob and his descendants and all of them. David, everyone, right? Okay. Spoke to the fathers. How 
Did God speak to the fathers? What does it say here? By the prophets. Right? Okay. Has in these last days, I want to ask you something. Are we in the last days or not? Are you sure? Are you absolutely sure? If you read New Testament, if you see what the New Testament language is like, you will understand that the whole era from the time Jesus ascended and poured out his spirit to the time that Jesus is going to come again is basically called the last days. Correct? So are we in the last days or are we not in the last days? Okay. In these last days has spoken to us by other prophets. Correct? No. Read it. Come on, read it. You read it. Look at it. Hebrews 1 verse 1. What does he say? By his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds. And in verse 1 and in verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 1, you see a clear distinction. A clear distinction of something that takes place. That in verse 1, he says, do you believe that Hebrews is the word of God or not? How many of you believe that the letter of Hebrews is not the word of God? Anybody believes that? Or do you believe that the letter of Hebrews is the word of God? Are you sure? Absolutely sure? Does anybody believe to the contrary? Anyone? Okay, great. So do you believe that the Spirit of God inspired the author of Hebrews to really write what is written here? Yes or no? Yes? Okay. Listen to what God is speaking to you today. He says, God who at various times in various ways spoke in times past. The only way that he spoke was through the prophets. To whom? To the fathers. Has now in these last days spoken to us not through the prophets but through his son has now in the last days spoken to us through by his son whom he has appointed as heir of all things and there you get a clear cut separation between the old covenant and the new covenant a clear cut separation between the old covenant and the new covenant I want you to turn to Hebrews 8. First of all, what's a covenant? A covenant is not a contract, okay? It's not a contract. <clears throat> a covenant is beyond just a contract. A covenant is when two parties say, I will keep to this, you will keep to that. We are brothers now because we are in covenant. And if we don't keep to it, maybe die. That's what a covenant is all about. Okay? And here's what the whole deal is. God made a covenant. And now he's made a new covenant. Listen to Hebrews 8. Hebrews 8 verse 6 to 7. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. As much, in as much as he also is the mediator. Can you say mediator? Of a better now, if somebody says better, is it worse? 
If somebody says better, is it worse? So if I say that this water is colder than this water, does it mean this is warmer? No, it means it's colder, right? That means if you touch this, if you touch this, you'll see that this is cold and this is not, correct? If someone says this water tastes better than this water, what does it mean? It tastes better. There's no argument about that. Look at what he says here. He is also a mediator of a better covenant. Can you say better? A better covenant. Which was established on better promises. A better covenant established on better promises. That means there was some difference between the covenant that God made with Israel and the covenant that God has made with us through Jesus Christ. There's a major difference. The first thing is this. It's a better covenant. Amen? It's a better covenant. And you know what else? It's got better promises. So when, so when God made a covenant with Israel, God made a covenant with Israel, and as compared to God making a covenant with us through the blood of Jesus Christ, do you understand that God has gone to the extent of making better promises to you, although you are not his special chosen nation? Do you understand the love that God has for you? A better covenant with better promises. That's not me saying it. This is what the word of God is saying. That's not me. So if I'm saying that the covenant of Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, is better than the covenant made with Moses, that's true. There's no doubt about it. Because that's what the word of God says. Now look at the next verse. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would be sought for a second. If that first covenant was faultless, no place would have been sought for a second. <clears throat> you know that blind man that Jesus healed? Blind from birth. And then Jesus healed him. And then he comes to the Pharisees. The Pharisees question him. And then he says, maybe you are also one of Jesus' disciples. And the Pharisees say, they revile him. I think you get it in John 9. And they say, you are his disciple. But we are Moses' disciples. Why did they say that? Why did they say, you are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples? Because there was something different about what Jesus preached. There was something different about what Jesus preached. The question is, who are your, whose disciple are you? It's not like Moses is wrong. No, not at all. It's not like Moses is bad. No, not at all. He was a great man of God. But what Moses preached was for a time till something happened. And that's what we're going to look at today. You see, then, Jesus himself, when he was, when did the last, when did the new covenant start? Let me ask you that. 
When did the new covenant start? Now, most of us think that the new covenant started with Matthew chapter 1. Right? You said the new covenant starts with the first chapter of the New Testament. Right? But that's not entirely true. The new covenant began with the Last Supper. He took that wine at that last Passover meal that he had with his disciples and he said, this... He says, is the blood of the new covenant. That is the point. He began with that. He began with a covenant meal to begin a new covenant. He said, this is the blood. This is the blood that I'm going to shed for you. And it's the blood of a new covenant. Can you say new covenant? New covenant. Can you say new shirt? New shirt. Can you say new car? Can the new car be the same as your old car? No. If the new car is a new car, then it's a new car. It can't be the same. If your new shirt is a new shirt, it can't be an old shirt. It has to be new. So I can't roam around with this, with this shirt that's probably two or three years old and I can say, I got a new shirt. No, no, no. You probably cleaned it to make it look as good as new. You can polish up your Christianity. You can say... I'm new. I'm new. You can say, I'm, I'm under the new covenant. You can polish it up very well. But listen, if this does not change in here, you're not. You're not new. You're still walking in the old. That's what has got to change. This is what has got to change in our minds. It's much like a computer. <clears throat> Thanks, Scott. So, Scott's got this phone. And um, the other day, I tried to send him a WhatsApp message. Nothing to laugh about. But I tried to send him a WhatsApp message. And I made a fancy little picture that I could send him on. But Scott couldn't read it. Do you know why? Because he's not got the right phone. No, for whatever reasons he's taken this phone, that's not the issue here. But he's not got the right phone. Do you get it? I'm not trying to demean you. Huh? Don't get me wrong. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to put you down in any way. So, so, when I, so when I try to say, Scott, I'm sending you a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful ship. It's so fantastic. And he's trying to view it on this. He can't do it. Why? That's the problem. This phone is a new phone though. It's not an old phone. You might be quick to say, oh, well, that's an old phone. This is a new phone. Oh, I'll tell you what. This phone is actually older than this phone. But this phone is brand new. What's the problem? You may be a Christian now and your life may look as Christian as Christian could be. You may even be talking Christianese, which is like Chinese but Christian lang lingo. You may be even talking Christianese. But you still have an old operating system. And with an old operating system, you can't do the new stuff. Do you get that? You can't do the new stuff. Listen, 
The pictures that I send you every Sunday probably on WhatsApp. Inviting you for the meeting, inviting you for the intercession. Okay, I did all of that on this phone. But Scott can try as much as he wants. He can't do it on this phone. He can try it out. And that's what we're living, brothers and sisters. We may have a shiny looking Christianity. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But listen. Jesus said that as a Christian, you would be living in a certain way. But you're not living that way. You know why? Because you've got the old operating system. But I'm shiny, brand new. I don't drink anymore. I don't do drugs anymore. I don't smoke anymore. I don't watch pornography anymore. I don't, I, I, I don't covet anymore. I'm not greedy anymore. I don't have 10, 20 girlfriends or boyfriends anymore. I'm not in an affair anymore. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not after money anymore. I, I, I pray. I have my time of prayer every day. I read my Bible. I do a Bible study. I've signed up for a Bible college. It may all be true. You may look as shiny new as a Christian should look. But you are not a Christian because you got the wrong operating system. You got to get the right system. Now let's say I connect this phone. <clears throat> and let's assume because I'm a programmer. I was a programmer. Forgotten everything now, but I was a programmer, <clears throat> and I can connect this phone to the computer, and I try to put in this operating system on this. You think it can support it? You think it's going to work on this? And that's the other problem. You can put the new operating system on this. Nice, shiny, golden phone. Man, your phone is more shiny than mine. Eh? Look, look at my logo here. It's all worn out. But he can put, he can put, he's got a shiny, nice logo and everything. His camera is much better. My camera is all scratched up. But he can put, I can put, I can try to put this operating system on this phone. Because let's face it, they're both computers after all. But they're just small computers, that's all. I can try to put the same operating system in here. But there's a problem. What's the problem? The hardware doesn't support it. The hardware does not support it. So my operating system says, when I move my phone, the torch should come on. And then Scott tries to, because he, I put the new operating system in here, right? So he tries to move his phone. But the poor fellow does not have a torch that comes on because he doesn't have a torch. Or he does, but doesn't have a sensor. Oh, 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 oh I say, okay, fine. Uh, oh, oh, on this phone, I can, I can just move my finger. And so there's a command in there which, which listens to the fact or, or feels the touch of my finger because the sensor is all over the screen. And it feels the touch of my finger. And when I move the fingers this distance, there's probably a line that gets drawn. And he tries to do the same. But there's nothing. You know why? Because his screen does not have any sensors because his phone is not built for the new operating system you see it's built for an old system in fact Scott's gonna have a hard time trying to even put on his phone he won't even have the ability to put on his phone he cannot you know why because his hardware does not support the software 
you might take in all the knowledge you want to my brothers and sisters you can read this inside out you can say i know what jesus preached i know what he said i know this i know that i know this but listen unless you thank god for these ideas okay unless you become from this and die and become this it's not going to make a difference and that's why jesus said if you want to enter the kingdom you've got to be what born again unless you're born again you want to understand this stuff you want to understand what the kingdom is about you want to understand how the kingdom works you want to understand what the principles of the kingdom is because you've got to die first listen besides 1 corinthians 15 and a few other references most of the many of the references let me put it that way many of the references of the crucifixion burial and resurrection of jesus christ you know what is compared to our death and our in baptism brothers and sisters not when we die of course when we die we're going to rise up and we're going to have a new body that's not what i'm saying but the comparison the comparison that is drawn out from the death burial and resurrection many places like ephesians and colossians you will see it is compared to the death burial and resurrection of jesus on that cross and from the tomb because you become new when you put your faith in jesus christ and you are changed do you understand listen god did not save you or redeem you so that you can have a good sunday meeting or a good sunday service god redeemed you and saved you to walk kingdom life to bring the kingdom life in every situation in your life and to walk as a priest and a king that's what god made you for and if you start walking that way you find less times for meetings and more time to set people free turn to hebrews 8 again i just want to read through it scott i'll just use your phone for a few more minutes okay not a bad idea let's exchange it scott hebrews 8 verse 1 now this is the main point of the things that we are saying we have a high priest such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle which the lord erected not man for every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices correct you look throughout the old testament you will see every high priest 
has been appointed for one job. One job that he had before the sanctuary of the living God. One job that he had before the sanctuary of the living God. And that's to offer sacrifices. Correct? You have been... As a high priest, the high priest was appointed to offer sacrifices and offer gifts. Joshua. To offer gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one, who's this one? Jesus. He's talking about Jesus here. Look at that. That this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest. Can anybody tell me why Jesus would not have been a priest if he were on earth? He was perfect, right? Why would not he have been a priest? Because the criteria of being a priest was something else here. He didn't belong to the right tribe. He did not belong to the tribe of the Levites. He did not belong to the tribe of Aaron. He belonged to the tribe of Judah. And as a, as a descendant of the tribe of Judah, he was king. Since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. Okay. So if Jesus was a priest here on earth, think about it. If Jesus was a priest here on earth, he would have to work, operate under the law, under the Torah, under the law, right? And as being operated under the law, he would have to function in a certain way, work in a certain way. I mean, listen, if you speak to somebody who is still under the law, if you speak to, to a Jewish man, if you speak to a Jewish man, especially in the times of Jesus, and you say, did you pray to God today? His understanding of what he meant by prayer was very, very different from what you understood. Have you, um, and speaking about sin, I mean, if you spoke about sin and you asked him about sin, what about your sin? What have you done about your sin? And he would be thinking about the sin offering. And if you said, what about your sin? You sinned here. It would cut him to the heart because then he knows the trouble he had to go to. He had to drag an animal right up to Mount Zion, cut it in pieces, walk out full of blood out of the temple, and look like a sinner. But that's not how. It's not how it is right now, isn't it? Okay, let's get to it. Since there are priests who offer... <clears throat> the gifts according to the law who serve the copy the gifts according to the law the things of the law the feasts according to the law look at what the word of God says serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things there's nothing in and of itself it's a copy of the and shadow of the heavenly things. I mean, listen. This is a shadow. Do you get it? I, I, I want you to look at a shadow. Look at it very carefully. Can you see it? Can somebody tilt the table a little? Okay, do, let's do it here. Let's do it here. Okay, look at this. Can you see this shadow? Can anyone see it? It's a shadow. 
and a copy of the real deal. Do you get it? Do you understand? Can you see? A shadow and a copy. Let's move on. Of the heavenly things. He's not even talking about heaven itself. He's saying about heavenly things. About matters of heaven. About things of heaven. Look at that. As Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Didn't get it? Let me repeat again. See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. And the Father says the same thing to you today. See that you live all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. And the pattern shown you on the mountain was Jesus Christ. Dead and then alive again. Okay, let's move on. <clears throat> but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. Inasmuch as he also is a mediator of a better covenant. Here, you can already see that the author of the Hebrews, or the letter of the Hebrews, is already saying that that was an old covenant. This is a better covenant. That was a less better covenant. This is a better covenant. There are less better promises. This has got better promises. Okay. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would be no place. No place would have been sought for the second. Because finding fault with them. So was there a problem with the covenant as such? Nothing wrong with the covenant as such. But something wrong with the covenant keepers. Do you understand? See, God is never faulty. He gave a covenant. But there's something wrong with the covenant keepers. With the people who were supposed to keep that covenant. What, what was wrong? Let's look at that. He says, behold. Now, all this is from, I think, Jeremiah. Okay, listen to this. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, the first thing you're going to say, yeah, he made a new covenant with Israel, not with us. I'm getting to it. Just hold on. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by their hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. Do you get it? They broke the covenant way back, long time back in the desert, not even afterwards. Okay. That, that was it. Till then, God was bearing up with them. For this is a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And none of them shall teach his neighbor, none his brother, saying, No, the Lord. Now why did Jeremiah put that in there? How did you come under the old covenant? If you had to come under the old covenant, you had to be what? Circumcised. Right? If you were circumcised as a male child on the eighth day after you were born, you came under the old covenant. Great. Did that child, eight days old, know who God was? Think about it carefully, huh? Did that child, eight days old, know who God was? Did he have the mental faculty 
wisdom, capacity to think and understand the very concept of God. By the time the child is six months, he has just enough mental faculty to understand and think about him having a hand. Quite often if you take a small little baby and keep that baby before mirror, quite often they will get freaked out. You know why? Because they think it's another baby. Let alone understand who God is. Okay. So what had to be done to a child who was circumcised? That child had to be taught. And everything in the Jewish life, everything was designed to teach the child who the Lord was. And they had to teach because this is something very, uh, it would be something very insulting if I was in a covenant with God, but I was not knowing what he likes and what he doesn't like. And so he had to be taught who God was. Everything, I mean, simple example, look at the Passover meal. If you look at the Passover meal, the whole Passover meal was designed and over years was, was even modified in a sense to help besides everything else, besides remembering all that happened, also to aid a child of the family to understand what happened and who God is. The whole Passover meal. And everything of that sort. Okay? And the whole deal, the whole deal about the Jewish life was designed to help a child understand. And as the child grew up, a young man or a young woman to understand who God was. Okay. How many of you are, how many of you have put your faith in Jesus Christ? Can you please raise your hands? Your faith in Jesus Christ. Okay. How many of you baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? Okay. Great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Great. Baptized? Yeah. Great. Now tell me something. Did you put your faith in somebody that you did not know? Did you put your faith in somebody that you did not know? No. You were taught the gospel first, right? You were told who the Lord is first, right? And then you put your faith in him, right? And then you trusted in him, right? And then you got committed to him, right? Then you got baptized, right? Right? So now, you are knowing more about him. That's a different matter. But you know him. That's why you're a Christian, correct? You see, the moment somebody's in the new covenant, they're not in the new covenant because they do not know him. You're in the new covenant because you know him. There's no need for me to tell you there is God. Know who God is. There is God. There's no need for me to tell you that. Because you know him. That's why you're Christian. Yes, I can tell you more about how he acts and how he lives, but you know him. Correct? That's the whole deal. And so Jeremiah here is saying, that time you will not have to tell no the Lord because in the new covenant, you know the Lord. That's why you enter the new covenant. In the old covenant, you don't know the Lord when you enter the old covenant. And then you start knowing the Lord as you proceed in your life. Okay. 
for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more and this is the most beautiful thing listen to this if if um, if Melanie comes and does something really really hurting towards me okay hurting towards me okay like she says something really insulting to me i get really hurt she does something that's really hurt me really insulted me now come on think about it and i say melanie i forgive you I forgive you forget forget all that i've forgotten all that you've done and, and she had she had said something really hurtful to me about about the way maybe about the way I talk or about my hair or uh, about something like that okay and now she said um, <coughs> she said sorry I'm, I'm really sorry Amit I, I didn't know that would hurt you or and then I would say back to her really you didn't know it would hurt me that's why you said it you didn't know okay but forget it I mean we're all said and done we're all settled we're all forgiven everything's okay everything's fine <clears throat> but then i keep whenever i come here and whenever i meet her i say um melanie i'll just go and eat down huh, because that time you, know, you might have a problem with what i the way i eat or or, or, or i'm not just going to speak too much okay melanie because you've got a problem with the way i speak it doesn't mean i've really forgotten what she's done I still remember what she's done. I declare that I've forgotten what she's done, but I still remember what she's done. I say that I've forgiven her, but I've still not forgiven her. Right? Okay. But the Lord says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins, and their lawless deeds. From the moment they enter the new covenant, everything that they've done before that, he says, I will remember no more. Wow. Now that didn't even happen on Yom Kippur. Because on Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement, they kept going every year. Every year. But you don't have to be baptized every year, do you? You don't have to say, I put my faith in Jesus Christ every year, do you? You don't have to say, I want to be saved every year, do you? Why? Because once done, it's done, right? He remembers no more. Okay. In that he says, a new covenant. And so, so now the author of Hebrews is saying, listen to this. He says, a new covenant. Listen, I say, I got a new phone. If I say I got a new phone, I made my old phone obsolete. Even then, I can say, I got a new phone, and I can still use my old phone and my new phone, okay? But, but, there's a problem. Covenants are not phones. Covenants are, are more than phones. This is something between two parties, right? Now, can... Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying a covenant is a contract, okay? I'm not saying that at all. Don't get me wrong, I'm just giving an example. But if I say, I have made a contract or an agreement with you, 
and then I say, I have made a new agreement with you. What does it mean? If the agreement is about the same matter, right? Like, for example, if, if I've got a flat and I say, okay, come on, you can stay on rent. And um, somebody comes over and stays on rent. And I sign something called a leave and license agreement. It's, it's valid for 11 months. And I've got some terms and clauses there. Maybe I say, you have to give me a one month's notice if you want to leave. And then after a few months, I come and I give you agreement. I say, there's going to be a new agreement. If in the new agreement I say, you have to give me a 15 days notice, then... I give, and you come up to me and you give me a one month's notice. And I say, see, listen, that was the old agreement, right? You can't give me a one month's notice. You've got to give me a 15 days notice. This one month's notice is not valid. You've got to give me 15 days. 15 days just before you leave, you've got to give me the notice, correct? That's the difference. There's a difference in the terms covenant. He has made the first one obsolete, he says. What is the meaning of obsolete? Done away with. Okay, look at that. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Do you get it? That the old covenant is ready to vanish away. Because it has already become obsolete okay let's move on are you all with me so far <clears throat> verse chapter 9 then indeed even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary actually we can just move on and move on move on move on he explains about he explains about the sanctuary he explains about the the holiest place and the holy of holies and he explains all of that stuff there in verse in chapter 9 you can go through it um, let's go to verse 7 but into the second part the high piece so, so there was a holy place and then there was a most holy place right the holy of holies now he says that into that part the high priest went alone once a year nobody else could go only the high priest could go once a year not without blood you had to have a sacrifice and the blood of that sacrifice had to be sprinkled upon you upon your vestments upon the things that you were going to take and then only could you enter that holiest place okay which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance that means that sacrifice had to be offered for himself that blood was poured out and offered for himself. The high priest had offered it for himself. And that blood was also poured out for everyone else. Do you get it? Okay. The Holy Spirit indicating this. That the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. While the first tabernacle was still standing. That means when the first temple. That temple in Jerusalem was still standing. There was no way. No way that you could enter into the holiest of holies only the high priest could enter special permission given to the high priest to enter 
And that high priest had to offer blood. And he was your representative to enter into the holiest of holies. And the holiest of holies was the very presence of God. Okay? Are you with me so far? Okay. It was symbolic for the present time. In in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered. Which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regards to the conscience. Listen, a priest offered that sacrifice, but it did not change him. Do you understand? When the priest offered the sacrifice, that sin offering, it did not change him. On the day of atonement, when he offered that sacrifice, it was not changing him from within. Do you get that? It was not changing things inside of him. He was, it was a, it was a, it was a stopgap arrangement. A stopgap arrangement to cover up, to forgive. Because if God's justice was shown on that people of Israel, they would have been destroyed. It was a stopgap arrangement to cover up the sin of the people. Okay. Concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation and he's he's very clear about it that all those ordinances all the commands and all the feasts that were commanded were fleshly ordinances that's not me saying it that's the word of god saying it that they were fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation i want you to pause there And I want you to turn to Romans 8. Ready? Romans 8 verse 5. Listen very carefully. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. And the people of Israel were not born again. They were still fleshly. And because they were still fleshly, they had to be given rules, regulations, and laws to curtail, to help them live properly, fleshly way. Do you understand? As a fleshly person, as a carnal person, to be able to live as a good but carnal person. Not a bad carnal person, but a good carnal person. Which is a very difficult thing. You can't be good by being carnal. You know why? Read there, further on in Romans 8. For to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because a carnal mind is enmity against God. You see, if I have a carnal, fleshly mind, and I'm going to live my life in a carnal, fleshly way, it is death. Do you get that? And if it is death, if I continue in my carnal, fleshly way, I'm going to die. I had to be given something to protect myself from that death. To kind of remain in a state which is... It's like this. Um, if I leave this bottle from top here, is it going to fall or is it going to remain on top? Are you sure? Absolutely sure? 
Yes? Okay. Let's try. Let's try. Okay, let's try. One, two, three. Oop. Did it fall? It didn't fall. It didn't fall to the ground, did it? It fell, but it didn't fall to the ground? No. But do you know this bottle is still falling? It's still falling, but there's a stopgap arrangement that is made to prevent its complete destruction. But do you think this is the permanent? Do you think, do you think the, the way I can make sure that this bottle doesn't fall is I hold my hand out like this the whole time? How long is it going to remain? This bottle is going to push through. Can you see it's already pushing through? Can you see that? It's already pushing through? Okay, it's not going to remain for too long there. Right? There has to be some other arrangement that, that is made. I have to make sure that this bottle does not fall. I need to change its location completely. Now that bottle won't fall. But if I had to just, say it just fell from the sky somehow and it was falling and I caught it, and these two fingers are trying to hold it. This, this was what the law was like. Trying to hold an entire nation from self-destructing themselves. Because they were carnal. Carnal mind is this. Any Christ See, listen, it doesn't matter whether you're baptized or not. Because if you're baptized and you've not repented, your baptism is basically useless. And if you've not repented... And you say, I put my faith in Jesus. Uh, I'm not repenting. I'm not stopped doing what I used to do. And I'm not really then put my faith in Jesus. And I've gone and got baptized. Which is happening quite often nowadays, by the way. I am still carnal. Because I'm not changed. And this carnal mind, and, and a man who's carnal or a woman who's carnal, is like this falling bottle. And when you're looking at this falling bottle... And just imagine, you're standing there and it's falling for many, 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 many meters. Like, it's, it's a 30, 40, 50, 60 story building. Or it's, it's the Burj Khalifa in, in is it Dubai, Kuwait, Australia, where is that? Dubai, okay. And you're standing there, and you're standing there and you're seeing this bottle fall. And you can somehow see it with a telescope or a binoculars and you're seeing it fall. And it's seeing it, it's like, man, it's going to be such a mess when it hits the ground, right? And that's our life as a carnal person. As a carnal man, that's our life. Looking at that nice little butterfly, it's shining. It looks beautiful. The sunlight shines through it. There's fantastic colors. But it's going to die very soon. It's going to be crushed very soon. Then God puts out a crane and just like holds it temporarily. That hold of that law was given only because that was a falling bottle. The new covenant changes the physics of that falling bottle. You don't need a crane to stop a bottle that's on a table. It's no longer falling. It's no longer falling. Are you understanding? Listen, if this bottle had a mind, if this bottle had a mind, he is having a ball of a time falling down the Burj Khalifa. A ball of a dime. Woohoo! That's a nice fall. And then there's this thing in between. So, uh, 
have to keep this, I have to do this, I have to do that. If I don't do this, I'll fall down. If I don't do that, I'll fall down. If I don't do that, I'll fall down. If I don't do this, I'll fall down. If I don't say my prayers, I'll fall down. If I don't read my Bible, I'll fall down. If I don't do this, I'll fall down. If that's the way of thinking, you're still carnal. You're not born again. You may be baptized for years together, but you're not born again. Because you're not changed. Or, you need a renewal of your mind. One of the two. Because if you've not understood what Christ has done, we think that the law was like a crane, a robotic hand that just caught this bottle, and Christ was a better robotic hand that caught this bottle. That's not what it was. Christ came to change the physics completely. And he changed the physics by taking this bottle and keeping it on that table. And then you see that bottle on that table, you don't have to worry and say, Oh man, that bottle is going to have a mighty crash. No. It's standing on the table, right? Better still, if the table was a rock, that rock is Jesus Christ and you cannot be shaken. Do you understand? That is what the new covenant is all about. But we are still busy admiring the crane. It's not wrong to admire it. It's not wrong to say, wow, where were we? And where have we come? But come on, for God's sake, don't climb back on that crane. Don't go back to it. Don't climb back on it. Don't see the bolts and nuts that it had. Because that was for a time. Look at where you are. And walk where you are. Don't go back to it and say, Oh, I'm going to celebrate this feast. I'm going to celebrate that feast. Listen, that was a different physics. Do it if you want to, but you're wasting your time because a different physics. It was fleshly ordinances for a fleshly carnal mind, which means that carnal mind was death. A carnal mind was death. A carnal mind is enmity against God. And it needed carnal fleshly ordinances to make sure that it doesn't self-destruct. There was a different physics at play back then. When you got born again, the physics changed completely. You don't need a crane to stop you. Listen. <clears throat> you also... <laughs> How many of you know what's the section of the Constitution of the Indian Penal Code for murder? Murder? Abetment to suicide, let's say that. And murder. Does anybody know? <laughs> Is that right? I'm sure you read the news a lot. You read the news a lot, right? Right or no? Okay. Because I, I know Ryan. Ryan's not a murderer, okay? <laughs> He's not one, right? But do you think a murderer who is like educated and a serial killer who is educated, would he know section 302? Why? Because he's got a bother about it, right? But if I'm not a murderer and I still find out about section 302, and read about it. I'm just basically putting stress about things that I'm not going to do. Because I, it's not in me to murder, right? 
right yes okay i'm looking at this crane hand and i'm saying wow okay see so yeah, it says that um if i if i if i if i have an affair with another lady if i if i'm in an adultery uh, if i'm in an affair then there's big trouble uh it's also i'm not supposed to kill okay and i'm admiring but listen brothers and sisters the physics has changed according to this physics it's no longer adultery even a thought of lust you have committed adultery according to this physics it's no longer just murder it's even the words that you speak that can kill and that is considered in the justice of god murder according to this new thing if you done covetousness you've committed idolatry it's a new physics this was a different physics let me tell you something else also you can't be a falling bottle and follow new physics not possible you can't be a falling bottle and follow this new physics you know why because a falling bottle can't keep up to this a falling bottle can't keep up to this a falling bottle can't say no thought of lust not possible because a falling bottle is falling it's going to be him looking at adultery more than just thought of lust a falling bottle is not going to is not going to look at covetousness being idolatry a falling bottle is going to look at statues being idolatry and just that much but the standards have changed does not mean that statues are not idolatry huh? don't get me wrong but it goes beyond that does not mean that i can have an affair and i should not have a thought of lust but i can have an affair no that's not what it means it means the standard has increased so much higher than what it was why because the benefits are much bigger if you got bigger benefits you got higher standards you can walk into a company and say i need a 1 lakh salary he says okay what's your qualification i'm uh, fifth standard pass out says okay i'll give you 1 lakh as your five yearly salary because you can only be a sweeper at best why because the company is not going to take you for that sort of a qualification and give you 1 lakh you've got a new you've got you've got to change your thinking completely right a fifth standard pass out can earn 1 lakh but he's got to change his thinking you know what he's got to do not look for a job start his own company that's what happens that's i can't i can't express it enough i can't be carnally minded and look at new creation i can't be carnally minded and look at the teachings of jesus i can't be carnally minded and see what paul really said i can't be carnally minded and go through the new testament and keep it because a carnal mind is an enmity against god and there was just a temporary stopgap arrangement until this carnal man had the provision of just being born again a provision had to be made and that's what jesus did do you get it if if i have if i have see listen jesus jesus came not to establish just a new system he he came to start a revolution 
He came to change the whole eco. He, he came to change the whole economy completely. The economy of how you live your life. Right now, get this. If you want to be right, if you want to be right with God, there's only one way: Jesus Christ. But if I say that the only way for me to be right with God is Jesus Christ, and once in a way I need to just go up the screen and just feel what it like, what it's like to just hang up there, I'm messing up my mind. You know what that's going to do? It's going to stress you out because you can't be here and here. You know what's going to happen? Satan's going to play ping pong with you. That's what's going to happen. You're going to be like a table tennis ball that just goes from one thing to the other and one thing to the other and one thing to the other. You can't be in both places at the same time. If you're here, be here. If you're here, be here. But if you're here, I want to tell you something. That crane has long been taken away. You're on the tightrope if you're here. It's obsolete. This crane is obsolete. This new old covenant is obsolete. That's the new. That's not me saying it. That's God saying it. See, listen. <clears throat> How many of you know about Samson? Anybody know Samson? Right? Okay. Who was Samson? He was this really muscular guy, right? Wrong. Listen, he was strong. But the thing that shocked the Philistines, and if you read the story of Samson very clearly, it's not a story, it's a real thing. They couldn't look at Samson and think very strong. They were shocked at what he did. They tried to get him bound. Because see, listen, if you try to get somebody bound in ropes and the guy is like big and muscular, you won't get him bound with ropes. What happened to Samson? Samson had supernatural strength by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Samson had supernatural strength by the power of the Holy Spirit. For all you know, he'll probably, I'm just saying probably, probably look like a thin, thin lanky guy. But he had supernatural strength because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this. Was Samson in the new covenant or the old covenant? Are you absolutely sure? Now I'm going to show you how you're thinking. Is, and how most of our thinkings can be, is basically quite messed up because of this old and new covenant. Listen to this. Samson was there and uh, it says that the Spirit of God was upon him. Right? Okay. Now there you find the first difference. In the new covenant, the Spirit of God is in you. I will put my Spirit in them. Right? Okay. Fine. Then Samson is there. He's lying on the lap of Delilah. And then Delilah asks him, What is the secret of your strength? And the first two times he gives the wrong answer. And then the final time he gives the right answer. Right? What does he say? I've got a covenant with God. It's because of this hair. Right? So then Delilah puts him to sleep. Shaves off his hair. Then what happens? She says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And then, if you look at Judges 15, 16, if you look at it, he says there, Samson got up. 
Now was Samson in covenant with God? No, the covenant was already broken. Because the covenant had one criteria. The hair. You have to keep that hair. Right? That was the criteria. So Samson stands up and he says, I'm going to destroy the Philistines. And then the words in the word of God are very clear. For he did not know that the Lord had left him. I want you to think, think, think about this. He did not know that the Lord had left him. Now, was it the same Holy Spirit that was on Samson that, 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 that is inside of you if you're born again? Yes? Same Holy Spirit? Was it a different version of the Holy Spirit? Was it a better Holy Spirit? Less better Holy Spirit? Nothing like that. He's the same person, right? See, the one thing that you can make out from the old to the new is this, that he's the same God. Right? Okay. Now, same Holy Spirit? Are you absolutely sure? Completely? Okay. Get ready to be blown apart. Now, Samson says that he's going to destroy the Philistines. But you know what he says? He says, I'm going to destroy the Philistines. But he did not know. He did not feel that the Holy Spirit had left him. You know what that means? That means when Samson had to defeat the Philistines, every time the Holy Spirit would come upon him, give him this burst of supernatural strength, he would defeat them. Again, there would be another plunder. Holy Spirit would come upon him, fill him with the strength, new supernatural strength, and he would go and defeat the Philistines. Correct? Okay. <clears throat> the lion came. Again, that strength was given to him. Defeated the lion. Right? Killed him. Completely tore him apart. Right? Okay. And then, Delilah says, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And Samson gets up. He assumes that the Holy Spirit is in him. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit being upon him to give him that strength did not mean that he felt something. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. And yet most of us feel that if the Holy Spirit is upon us, I feel something. I feel something. I feel that song today. I feel it was so anointed. But listen, brothers and sisters, it was a feeling. The Holy Spirit does not live based on your feelings. He's the Spirit of God. But I'll tell you, brother, that, that song that was taken, that worship band, oh man, that is so anointed. And that brother, he's so anointed when he plays his anointed guitar and he plays his anointed djembe. And that, that's an anointed song with anointed guitars and anointed everything. Listen, the anointing is for you. It was not David's harp that was anointed. It was David that was anointed. You have the anointing. And according to 1 John 2, he says the anointing abides. It does not come and go. That means the anointing is an appointment and a sign, a seal of that appointment is the Holy Spirit that is given to you. You know what? That Holy Spirit doesn't come and go. So guess what? As long as you are in covenant with God, the anointing is... As long as Samson was in covenant with God, the anointing was upon him. As long as you are in covenant with God... The anointing is upon you. Right? Okay. How could Samson get out of the covenant? By cutting his hair. 
How are you going to get out of the covenant? Come on, think the best way you can get out of the new covenant. Sorry? If I leave Jesus and I leave God, I'm going to be out of the covenant? Have you left Jesus? Have you left God? Anybody here? And I'm not talking about mistakes which are sins here and there. I'm talking about left him completely gone. I don't believe in Jesus anymore. And gone away from him. Any of you here? Are you sure? Are you absolutely sure? Then you know what? The anointing is upon you. And the spirit of God is in you. Whether you feel him or not does not depend on the hours that you've spent in prayer. The anointing is not based, and I did this experiment, it's, it's, not, it's not about you praying loudly or praying softly. Because it's not about you. It's about what Jesus did on the cross. And he said, it is finished. It was perfect. It was done perfectly. He was the perfect, unblemished lamb of God. That's the whole deal. The Spirit of God has not gone away from you. He's in you. The anointing doesn't come and go. It's in you. It's upon you. It's not about going to a place and, and, and as a pastor, I apologize. If there's any other pastor that has made you to believe, that has made you to believe that coming to his meeting gives you a special anointing, that's a lie from the pit of hell. It's not true. At best, he's attempting to only keep you in his group. But I'm telling you, the anointing of the Holy Spirit abides in you. It does not depend on any person. It depends on Jesus Christ. That is the truth. Because Jesus did not save you to belong to a local church. Jesus saved you to belong to the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ, Jesus says that his enemies are under his feet. If you are his body, then his enemies are under your feet. Listen, you as he is, so are you. That means if he heal, you can heal. And Jesus goes to the extent of saying, you can do greater works than what he did. That's the difference. See, we, we, um, we've got to understand this. We, we, start <clears throat> we start talking like a king at church and say, praise the Lord, 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 you are king. I serve you, Lord. And then we start walking like a beggar outside. You know why? That's another sign, That's another sign of you still not changing covenants. This is my phone. That's another sign of you still not changing covenant. You still feel, your mind is still tuned to that old style of thinking. Your mind is still tuned to that old covenant, that old way of thinking things, the old way of doing things, the old way of, of, of understanding things, the old way of praying. I mean, I still, like there was this gentleman who said, born again guy and he said you know what brother we always have our time of devotional prayer in the family and I was like you've missed the whole point you've missed the whole point it's not about having a devotional time of prayer in your family 
Your whole life is a communication with God. Oh, but you've got to pay a tithe. You've got to pay a tithe. Oh, yes. Tithes. You've got to pay a tithe. You've got to pay a tithe. Yes, you've got to pay a tithe. But listen, when you were a falling bottle, the best God could say is, give. But you can't understand give. You can't understand sow and you will reap. If you sow to the spirit, you will reap of the spirit. You can't understand give. So you know what he said? One tenth at least. Give one tenth. You, you, you will prosper, man. Just, just test me on this. Malaki, test me on this. You will prosper. Just, just give one tenth. You know, now the physics has changed, brothers and sisters. It's no longer tithe. Because everything you have is God's. And you give to whoever asks of you, even if it goes beyond the one-tenth. Brothers and sisters, you don't give a one-tenth to God like he's your waiter. He's your Lord. Everything is God's. You don't give it to him like he's your security guard, one-tenth Lord. And that's the mentality that you have amongst Christians. Scrap cars, good for nothing, waste of space. A loss to the kingdom. A shame and an eyesore. You have everything to give to him. And now I'm not saying give your everything to this offering box. Okay, That's not my point. Don't, don't have an offering collection if you don't want to today. But that's not the point. The point is not that you take your open your wallet and whatever money comes, come on, put it in the box. That's not the point. The point is, it's God's. If it's God's, you give to who God is asking you to give. But don't you dare use that as an excuse not to give. Because, because I, I, I've known people who said, you know what, I wanted to give more today to so-and-so person, but uh, you know, God was telling me only to give so much, and they would remove a piddly five rupees to give somebody who was in extreme need. Now that's you finding new creation system, new creation physics, for a falling bottle. You're not going to make it. You've got to understand. Oh, but I keep the Shabbat. I keep the Sabbath. It's, 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 it's something that I do. I keep the Sabbath. Hold on. Your life's a Sabbath. Do you know that? Listen. You know why you don't have holidays in the cemetery? Do, do, do you know why? Do, do you know why? There's nobody who gives holidays for the cemetery. You know why? Because the dead don't need a holiday. They're dead. You, you, you don't have prayers at the, at the cemetery. You know why? I mean, you, nobody goes, I'm going to have a praise and worship for the dead today. Come on. They're the most neglected of the society. Let's have a praise and worship for the dead. You know why? Because they're dead. They're not Christian. Do you understand? If you are a Christian, you're dead. It's dead. It's no longer you lives. Christ lives in you and through you. So you know what that means? It's not about having one Shabbat. Your whole life is a Shabbat. Your whole life is a Sabbath. Everything that I have is a Sabbath. The evidence... If, if, if I say, if you ask me, what's the evidence that I still have an old covenant mindset? Listen to me very carefully. 
and old covenant mindset is always looking for God to speak to them through another person. And work for them through another person. In the Old Testament, it was usually the prophet that spoke, to God, uh, spoke for God. Second, an old covenant mindset will always, does not mean it's wrong to look for advice or counsel from one another. That's not what I'm saying. But there is a tendency that I feel so-and-so person is more important and more anointed than me. And so if so-and-so person is more anointed than me, I'm going to keep going to that person. You know why? You know why that is? Because we are all falling bottles. And if I'm a falling bottle, I may keep the law less, but kind of just hang in there. Okay? And somebody may keep the law very well. Right? And so this falling bottle will look to this guy. Come on, guys. Just, just help me, can you please? Can you please help me? Because this guy is keeping it very, very well. There's less chances that this guy will fall. There's more chances that this guy is going to fall, right? So he feels he's less anointed. This guy is more anointed. But you know what? The first will be last. The last will be first. What does that make it? One big circle all on the same plane. I'm not more anointed than you. You're not more anointed. I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm ruining my pastor business here. I know that. But I'm not more anointed than you. You're not more anointed than me. We're the same. They're the same. Seriously. There's not one thing in the New Testament that you can find to say that so-and-so was more anointed. Come on. Paul. Was Paul a great man of God? It took one everyday Christian to give a prophecy to Paul that he was going to be arrested. Do you understand? It's not, it's not, it's not like I'm more anointed than you. You are not more anointed than me. No, 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 no. We're all there. Second, an old covenant mindset will always be trying to earn or deserve God's blessing rather than believe that everything we get from God, we get by grace. You know what's grace? Grace means favor. Means I hire somebody and I pay him 50,000, but he doesn't do one good job for me. Unmerited favor. I pay him 50,000. He doesn't even do anything. He's a good for nothing. He does nothing for me and I give him 50,000. And this guy then got 50,000 every month in his bank account. And he's crying. I never have enough. I never have enough. Sir, please give me more salary. No, I can't do this. Sir, please give me more salary. I can't do that. You know why? Because you've not understood. You've not understood. Grace means you don't deserve it and it's given to you. And because you don't believe it, you're still asking God. You're still trying to earn you're still trying to earn or try to deserve something that God has already given because of unmerited favor. So you still feel, you, you still feel that uh, I, uh, I went to meet that Catholic house that day. I went to this Catholic house and they were having the litany. 
and all the candles were on and the statue was there and they were having a litany all the candles were on there after i came back i felt something not okay i got such a headache i think something's jumped on me you know from there just can you come and do deliverance please what wrong physics mr wrong physics it's a different physics that you're under nothing shall by any means harm okay nothing shall by any means harm you nothing absolutely <clears throat> see listen the one test to check if you are still having an old covenant mindset is this you will very clearly state that everything i have i have by grace i have by unmerited favor but your actions will prove that you believe that everything you have you have because of your works you will say that it is by grace but you will do like it's by works and it will be clearly visible clearly visible in the lives of many christians check keep checking and old covenant mindset will always be afraid that god is either mad at them for something or will get mad at them if they mess up in any little thing therefore a person in the old covenant mindset will always be afraid to try anything and there are they are always afraid to do anything without an express leading to do so that means they say i want i want i want to go and heal no 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 unless the lord leads me to heal that person i want lead i want heal i i want go and preach the gospel because unless the lord leads me to preach the gospel i, I can't you know I have to be led i have to be led the word of god says go and heal the sick the word of god says go and preach the gospel go and make disciples of all nations he's already said it here make disciples of all nations he's already said it here we're still waiting for an express leading we're still waiting for god to lead us we're still waiting listen the, the most of the teachings that you many of the teachings that you will hear are are made from an old covenant mindset and if you summarize all the teachings the statement that the, the thing that they're trying to teach is this don't try anything new don't try anything you'll get god mad basically okay now i'm not saying you go and try drugs because you're never going to think about it you're not carnal you're in a different physics your physics is i please god in everything that i do do you understand so it's not about sin but it's about i'm not going to go and heal i'm not going to go and preach the gospel i'm not going to go and do things see listen I, I, and they'll put it this way without the permission of the pastor you'll fall in trouble you have to take the pastor's permission even for things that god has commanded you go and go do in the bible that's the old covenant mindset that's the old covenant mindset many times the permission is ref referred to is from the headquarters of the ministry other people are ministers um that are leading the ministry and that permission is basically from a need to control now does that mean that there's no authority no that's not what i mean like does that mean that a pastor does not have any authority that's not what i mean at all 
It's not like the pastor does not have authority. But the authority does not make him more important than the rest. The authority is just for logistics. See, listen, if you are taking furniture, I can remember we took, we took some furniture from one place to another place. Okay, it was a lot of furniture. But if I said, I want to take the furniture, I want to drive the car, I want to carry the tables and the beds, I want to put it in, and I want to drive the car. And I will put the petrol and the diesel. What are you going to tell me? You've gone mad. How can you take the furniture, carry it down, put it inside, put the petrol and diesel, and drive it yourself, and remove it and keep it back? You need to get what? Okay, so pastors help. For logistical reasons to make sure that everything is in order. Because most likely if you do everything yourself, you're going to delay things. That's all. That's all. That's, that's the reason there's order. But for the basic stuff, to go and heal somebody, to go and make disciples, you don't need the pastor's permission. Do you understand? And we've seen, we've met people. We've met people. We've said, are you a Christian? Yes. Born again? Yes. Baptized? Yes. You have been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes. We've been, we, we've, I, I know what it is. I know what it means to heal. And I said, okay, fine. See, come here, come here, come here. This lady, she said, come on, why don't you heal? No, I've got to take my pastor's permission. I need to ask my pastor whether I can pray for healing. We've met people in person. We've met them. We've seen them. They've told us these. These are the answers that we've been getting from born-again Christians on the streets. Control. Do you know there's nothing in Scripture, nothing in the Old Testament that says... Do not sheep steal. The only place it says do not sheep steal, he's addressing Satan. And calls him a thief for stealing sheep from God. He's not talking to pastors. Because you, as a Christian, it's not about belonging to so-and-so church or not so-and-so church. It's about first belonging to Christ. Yes, if you identify with the mission of a particular church and you see that there's truth put there and you want to identify with them, great, so be it. But all that's for logistics. It's for logistical reasons. And I'm not saying there should be disorder. No, 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 no. I'm not saying there should be disorder. No, today I think that I should go here and I should do this and I should... No, that's not what I mean. There should not be disorder. But the reason is there's for logistics. So don't have that extra pressure. If I heal one extra person, I'm going to go to hell. What? That's not what you should have. Because I disobeyed my pastor. What most people seem to be waiting on God to tell them specifically what to do and when to do it rather than realizing that God has already told us what to do and given us examples of how to do it. Think about it. Many of us as Christians still today when we pray for healing for somebody we will still say, Father, we thank you. Father, we ask you, Lord, please heal so-and-so person. How did Jesus do it? Be healed. Uh, the other thing, we feel that... Okay, let's get to that later. But basically, what did he say? He said, be healed. Right? And the person was healed. Can't see? See. And the person could see. He spoke the healing into their lives. Right? Okay. 
the employee. If you own the company, I want you to close your eyes now. Just close your eyes. Imagine you own a company. You own a company and um, you've got 10 employees or 15 employees. Okay? They're all doing their job. Who among them would you consider as the employee that's of least value? Who among those employees would you consider as an employee of least value? Okay, open your eyes. What are your answers? They're all doing their job, I told you. But who among them is the employee of least value? Think properly, think properly. Anybody? Think about it. Any answers? Come on. Okay, not showing the attitude to do the work. What else? Ah, you might have some experience. Okay, the output. What about the output? Okay. What do you feel, Avi? Okay. Desmond, what do you think? Cheryl. What is doing the least job? Not really. Okay. But the one, but the one who is the one who has been working with you for a long time and still has to be told everything that has to be done is the least is, is the least valuable employee. But the most valuable employee that you have is the one who finds out what has to be done and doesn't goes and does it. Correct? He finds out what has to be done and goes and does it. That's who you're supposed to be as a Christian. You remember that parable that Jesus said? If you are a worker in the field and I'm your boss and I say, come on, serve me food. You come and serve food. At the end of it, at the end of it, what do we say? Lord, we are nothing but just unprofitable servants, right? That's who we as Christians make ourselves to be unprofitable servants. We are not unprofitable servants. We are unprofitable servants only if we do that much. If you need to be a profitable servant, you've got to do more than you're told. You've got to go and do more. You've got to do more to please your boss. Listen, um, if... It's... That's what I'm saying. We've taken, we've taken the whole parable wrong. Exactly. We've taken the whole parable wrong. He said, we are the most unprofitable servants. Yes, you are. If you just do that much. Do you want to be an unprofitable servant? If you want to be a profitable servant, you've got to do more than what you are told. So, so if, if you think, if you think, by just going and healing the sick, by going and making disciples, 
some people around the place and praying to God and reading the Bible, you are doing a great job. You're just an unprofitable servant because you're just doing what is your duty. But a profitable servant will do more than that. That is the whole deal. That is the whole deal. And for that, as she said, you need the right attitude. The problem is most of us are still waiting and we are still um, trying to um, get Christians to do their basic duty first. <laughs> let alone, let alone more than that. We are still thinking, I need to do something, but I need to, do, I need to know how it's to be done. Then I'll do it. I need to know how it's to be done. See, listen, if the how-to was so important, God would have very clearly mentioned how-to. But you see, the how-to is not as important as going and doing it. So as you do it, you will learn how-to. That's how we learned. That's how we can heal. Because we went and did it first. See, um, a, a person who stands, who stands looking at somebody doing the push-up and says, I'm just going to observe exactly how the guy does his push-ups, and I'll try. I'm not sure whether I can do it. He's going to look and observe. He's never going to be able to unless he goes to the ground and hits and does that push-up, right? He can't do it. You see? Like, for example, he went to the blind man and one blind man, he took the spit, mixed it with mud, put it on his eyes, boom, he saw. The other blind man says, what do you want me to do? That I may see. Put his hands on his eyes and says, see. And Paul beat all that. He gave people his handkerchief and people got healed. And Peter just walks by and a shadow heals people. According to your faith, let it be done to you. But the parameters are very clear. Please don't ask God to heal that person because he's asked you to heal the person. Listen, if I, if I tell my employee, please bring the water, the employee turns back to me and says, please bring the water. <laughs> what? Please go and Xerox these papers. Please go and Xerox these papers. <laughs> what are you going to call such a guy? Arrogant fool. But how can I? I'm not God. Yes, you're not. You didn't create the world. You're not the beginning and the end. You're not the Alpha and Omega. Who's saying you're God? You've been given the power to do it. But I don't know how. Figure it out. Do it first. See, listen. Obedience without results is more important than disobedience without results. Let's go and do it. Amen? What we, what we must understand is many of us, we're still under an old covenant mindset. We've got to change that. We've got to change that. It's not about asking... Um, see, listen... As a new covenant person, there is only one role model that you have. Jesus Christ. Do you understand? Listen, Jesus said, John the Baptist was the greatest prophet born of women. Yes or no? Yes. yes. Okay. That means John the Baptist was greater than Elijah. Then John the Baptist was greater than Moses. 
John the Baptist was greater than all the other prophets that have been there. Correct? Yes? Is Jesus lying or was he uh, speaking the truth? He's speaking absolute truth, right? Because the word of God says there was no deceit that came out of his mouth. So if no deceit came out of his mouth, Jesus was speaking the truth. And if Jesus was speaking the truth, that means that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet born of women. And then he goes and says, the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. Do you get that? You are greater than John the Baptist. And because you're greater than John the Baptist, you're greater than Moses and Elijah and all that they did. There's only one who you can compare yourself to. Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was the only one who was born, born again. (laughs) He was born, born again. Jesus was the only one who walked. Listen, if you... Are you righteous? Yes or no? Yes, you are made righteous because of Jesus Christ, right? Okay. If you are righteous your life would look like Jesus Christ. Because that's what a righteous man walks like. What is righteousness? Righteousness is having right standing with God. Having, being right with God. If I'm right with God, I will raise the dead. I will heal the sick. The only problem that comes in between is my mind. I believe I can't do it. And so according to my faith, it's done to me. Listen, most of us speak a lot of things and we believe it. Right? Like we say, we, we, we say, we say to so-and-so person, oh man, why did you do that? You're such a, such a useless guy. Such a, you're a loser, man. Why, why, did, why did you do something? No. What you're saying, you really mean it. Yes or no? You really mean what you're saying. Now, quite often we say such negative things that bring us so low because we believe what we say. Now that's enough evidence that if you believe what you say, it comes to pass. If you believe what you say, it comes to pass. If I keep coming and telling you, you're a loser, you're a good for nothing, you're this, you're that, there's 100% chances you're going to be depressed by the end of 15 minutes. Because I'm speaking depression to you. I'm saying depression to you. Right? But if I speak healing to somebody, and I believe that I'm really speaking healing to somebody, and that person is being healed... Definitely the person is going to be healed. Amen? That's the life that we've been called to. That's the life that we've been called to. Anyways, did you all, did you all understand anything? Did you all...